Brick Moon Fiction presents A Light for the Dark Under by Suyi Okungboa Narrated by Nicholas Thurkettle The first thing about being a Skyway bandit is one must learn to fly silently. Of the twelve years since Runer first learnt to pilot her arrow packed the floating city when she was nineteen, it took her five of those to learn that the secret was in burying the noise of the thrusters. Truth be told, it is the high-speed air turboing out of the backpack's nozzles that give her the opportunity to spring surprises on her chosen commuters and zip out of the floating city before the police alarms get activated. The downside of the aeropack's noise, however, is announcing yourself and likely setting off a nearby police drone, which is like rule number one of being a Skyway bandit. You do not set off a police drone. So Runer has learned to fly like this. In her high-altitude bodysuit and aviator helmet, she thrusts off from the dark under, the titanium aeropack strapped to her back. She gains altitude to over 12,000 feet above the Earth's surface, opens up her wingsuit, and glides, maneuvering, leaning her body this way and that way, navigating with the GPS to her desired point in any of the thousand skyways littering the floating states south of the Niger, the city in the sky. Today is different, though. Today, as Runer twists and turns, cold wind rushing into her grav helmet, the visual display unit in front of her face blinks a dot steadily, her point of landing. Today, this point is not a highway. It is a maximum security prison. Falcon is on course, Major, Runer says into her helmet's calm, barely hearing herself over the wind. Keep your eyes open. Why are you talking like that? Ogaga kisses his teeth. You sound like old American films. She snickers. I like it. It's cool. Nah, it's silly, Ogaga says. Falcon and Major? I beg ye. Ogaga is always grumpy. Truth be told, hours upon hours in front of a multitude of screens will do that to anyone. Add being the only whiz kid hacker in the whole of the Dark Under to that. The messiah for all things tech in that way you know you can never leave the ground as a result. And Runer guesses she'd be grumpy too. Hoya, sorry, focus. She squints, triggering zoom in the helmet's VDU, which then expands to show a layout of the city as she starts to descend. The floating city, floating states south of the Niger, or Flossen, is always pretty. Runer believes this is because it is always lit. The dark under is never pretty because it is never lit up. Of course, she would love for it to be lit up too, but the good folks of Flossen have refused to provide the tools to make actual power to serve the multitude below, and the solar power the dark under could have made use of. Well, they took the sun, too. They didn't spare thought for the people on the ground when they built that massive ark and anchored it in the sky, blotting out the sun so that nothing on the surface could see, grow, thrive. The surface has been dark ever since, and everyone has had to live with it. The irony is never lost on Runer, that the refuge of a few became the demise of many. Flossen is beautiful, regardless. The framework holding the city up gleams in the sun and in a scattering of twinkle lights, the massive multitude of anti-gravity generators giving the city a soft background hum of contentment, like a purring cat. Runer rolls and banks along its circumference, scanning for a good point of entry, away from the sentry cams and rapid-response weapon systems showing up on her VDU. For a few minutes, she coasts, feeling the tropical sun on her face, while at the same time observing the circumference for a blind spot outside the peripheries of both systems. Her cheek tingling from the sun's warmth, she finds herself absent-mindedly wondering why Flossen has way more lights than it needs. Then she remembers Flossen has always had more of everything than it needs. Food, water, power, health care, security. Runer has only known a life of nothing, growing up in the dark under. That ends today. 
Madam, Olgaga stresses the word in a warning, are you concentrating? You're close to our spot. Runer snaps back to it. Remember why you're here, she tells herself. Focus. She twists her body to glide through the pre-marked area as it comes into view in both her VDU and her sight. It is a malfunctioning part of the city's circumference, shut down for repairs without actually being repaired. Ruined by your own incompetence, she thinks as she whooshes through the opening, breaking into the city. The dwellings below come into view, a constellation of neatly arrayed lights. We're in, she says. All right, Ogaga says. Brace and max up. Rumor realigns herself, clenches her arms and hits turbo. The aeropack ignites and zips her across the city, 250 kilometers an hour. Every part of Runer's body screams in resistance, shudders from the air pressure the speed exerts on her. But she grits her teeth through it, keeps her eye on that blinking dot. She's used to flying this aeropack, never at full turbo, however, because she's never really needed it before. Tonight, however, anything goes. The beeping intensifies as Runer decreases altitude, the dot growing and finally appearing before her, a flat view of the roof of a massive building spread out over the Flossen landscape like layers of duct tape over the city's platform base. Prepare for touchdown, Ogaga says, and Runer folds herself until she's repositioned, feet down, and takes a complete nosedive onto the roof of the Kirikiri Maximum Security Prison. When she is a few feet from the hard concrete of the roof's surface, the thrusters engage, and she lands softly, like a mosquito on skin. As planned, she lies flat on her belly, as the prison's searchlights circle around, motion and heat signature detector code written into their beams. There are sentry points at every corner with automatic weapons stationed at them, run by the same intelligence that runs the beams. One little spotting, and she'll be gunned down from all areas. The one thing about prisons, though, they're mostly built to keep people in, and not too much thought is given to keeping people out. This is what makes the success of this operation at least likely. The Falcon is flat, Major. How are we doing with those beams? Hold, Ogaga says. He sounds distracted so that she knows he's working on the five-second delay for the detection systems that'll give her a window to dash forward. Hold still. Runer lies flat, listening to her own breathing in the helmet. She is singing this little light of mine under her breath, using it to count the seconds as practiced. Go, Ogaga says and Runer jumps, sprints across the concrete, slides down the inclined portion of the roof, onto the waiting hatchway. She bumps into metal. Shit, it's locked! The beam is coming around for its second cycle. Hold, Ogaga is saying. OG, I said hold on. The beam is past the half mark, coming around to 45 degrees, only a few seconds before it's upon her. The hatchway blinks green, slides open, and Runer slips in and crumbles into the gangway below. The door slides shut just as the light misses the edge of her bun sticking out at the back of her head. Sorry, Ogaga says. Who's unfocused now, idiot? He snickers. All right, where are we? Runer is in an automated conveyor belt used for delivering supplies to the prison kitchen. Since the prison is at lights out, the belt isn't moving. She crawls across the surface, dappled with grip holes, following the map in her VDU. The prison layout has long changed from when it was still on the ground in Ikoyi, in what used to be Lagos decades ago. Like most prisons, which are all literally copies of Alcatraz, excessive studying of prisons for this break-in has left her with useless info like this. This one is split into five parts. First, the entrance, sporting the sentry outposts, intelligent beams in the air, metal detectors in the walls, 
razor wire over them. Same portion houses the visiting rooms and armory. The cell blocks take the next section, which is the largest indoors, also featuring the library come computer center. Next section, adjacent to the blocks, is the mess hall and kitchen. Right below the mess hall, in a basement with highly limited access, is the control hub where every single piece of technology running Kirikiri is commandeered. The last, and largest section overall, is the open-air recreation yard, sporting a large green as well as workshops for vocational trainings. The VDU lists tailoring, shoemaking, barbing. There are also some small farms, factories, and recycling plants there, as well as a medical center. All this is not new information to Runer, and are mostly unimportant, too, because she is focused on not just one section, the cell block, but on one particular cell, Unit 3740. Getting there is the easier part. Doing what she needs to do there, that's trickier. Runer crawls, Ogaga whispering directions in her ear. She's careful not to trip anything within the smart grid. These days, the prison admin doesn't even do guards for night patrols anymore. They have drones for that, and the drones aren't programmed to ask you to stop and put your hands up. After half a kilometer, she comes upon the point in the belt that passes over the catwalk above the cell block housing Unit 3740. She pulls out a laser cutter and bores holes in a circle through the thick subbase of the belt, melting the metal, the heat flashing against her VUD and making her sweat. To prevent the cutout from falling, she holds it up with a magnet, places it beside her. Then she lands stealthily on the empty catwalk. She takes off her aeropack but leaves the helmet on. You're clear, Ogaga says, releasing a breath of relief into the mic. Five drones zip around the far corner, giving off a high-pitched whine, picking up her heat signature, prepping weapons to fire as they arrive. Shit, Ogaga says. Shit, 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 I didn't see that. Must be some new cloaking technology. The drones circle about and come to rest in front of her. Runer lifts her titanium pack in surrender. Identity unconfirmed, the lead drone says. State your business in five, four, three. Well, says Runer, say hello to Hakim. Runer pushes a panel and throws the pack in the air. The pack, which is not really just an aero pack, spreads its panels, blocking the first shots fired off by the drones. It spins, knocking the nearby drones off their air perches, forcing the rest to regroup. Then it rearranges its panels, reshaping the metal into a humanoid form, with just enough space for Runer to fit into the exosuit from behind. Good evening, ma'am, Hakim says. Hotel Hakim at your service. Runer steps into the suit, and it shuts up, leaving her VDU, the only shielded part of her, visible. She is a walking metal astronaut. How about we do away with these bastards first? Room service, Hakim says, then the suit begins to move of its own accord, the nonchalant AI doing what it does best. The first drone comes for it, fires warning shots, then is reloading for a bigger gun with a bigger blast. Hakim flings out an extended titanium arm and slams into its central processing unit. The thing dies in a small whine, falls off the catwalk, and smashes to the bottom of the multi-floor cell block below. A loud alarm starts off. The prisoners wake up and start shouting. Oops, says Hakim. The other three drones left are still firing, converging. In no time, there will be hundreds of them. The guards, too, especially the ones in powered titanium exosuits exactly like Hakim, will arrive with them. They will be too many to hold off. Time to go, Hakim. Runer jumps onto the handrail of the catwalk and falls. She drops three, four floors before Hakim powers the thrusters and halts the drop, sails her forward and lands the suit right in front of Unit 3740. 
Magic time, OG, Runer says. Open sesame, Ogaga says. And then there is a wait period that seems like ages. And then the drones are here again, firing. Runer feels the pellets like a window pane in rainy season. Shield integrity dropping, Hakim says. Clear to engage? No, says Runer. Ammunition for emergencies only, remember? OG, what's taking so long? Come on, come on, come on, Ogaga is saying. And then there is a loud click. The panel behind them switches from red to green, and then a hiss. The door's visibility changes from opaque to transparent, then slides open. Runer backs into the cell, and the metal door slides shut, leaving the drones bouncing against its metal frame right before the visibility switches back to opaque. 3740 sealed, Ogaga says. You have ten minutes. They will blow it and cut through in less than five. Runer turns. The cell unit is the same as most. All rounded angles, simple architecture and basic amenities. Wash hand basin, toilet and bed. The woman in the corner, hiding behind the bed, wide-eyed, is not as basic. Although now a prisoner and all hair shaved as a result, she still bears the marks of a once high-rolling wheeler dealer. Her skin looks way too soft, light skin from sun protection, and her fingernails that grip the bed's metal edge, though chipped, still bear the effects of consistent manicuring. She is thin, but only on purpose, after an exercise and diet regimen, not like those in the dark under who are always thin because where is the food? Edna Oche, Runer says, and pushes a button. Her helmet hisses open. We don't have time. I didn't do anything. I swear, the woman says, shaking her head, her eyes shining. Runer realizes she's not actually wide-eyed. Her eyes are just that way. I told them I didn't do anything. She's shaking like a leaf. Runer does not have time for this. She goes over to the woman and pulls her out of the corner, sits her in the bed. I don't care what you did. I'm not from the government. I'm here for the schematic to the fusion bomb. What? Hakim, Runer says. With pleasure, Hakim says, then extends a rod from the suit and plunges it into Edna's belly. The woman's body racks with electricity and she screams. Hakim withdraws the rod. The woman coughs and doubles over, breathing heavily. As I said, I don't have time to waste. The schematic to the fusion bomb, now. What bomb? I don't know about any bomb. Hakim? No, no, wait, I don't know. Electricity courses through Edna, shaking her body. Hakim withdraws. Next time he'll up the dosage. Last chance. The fusion bomb schematic. There's a loud bang on the door, muffled. Smoke starts to seep into the room. They're using charges, Hakim says. We don't have much time. I don't know anything. Edna is crying now, sobs racking her body much more than the electric current. I swear I don't know anything. There are tears that you fake, and tears that are real. And as leader of her province in the dark under, Runer has seen real tears enough to recognize it easily. In the people who come to beg her day to day for food, water, protection, succor, the faces of the children in the back seats of those airmobiles in the skyway when she is holding up their parents and emptying them of their goodies. As a child, when a Flossen police shuttle landed in the dark under and burst into their zinc house, tore her away from her parents, arrested them for storing up food supplies, and shuttled them up here to Kirikiri, into whose depths they disappeared forever. Runer knows real tears personally, so that's why she's convinced Edna is really crying. There's another bang at the door, more smoke seeps into the room. So you did not build a fusion bomb and try to bring down the floating city. Edna's eyes grow wider now. 
What? They, they said I did that? Runer nods. Hakim, play it for her. Hakim opens up a panel in the fore of the suit. A clip plays, showing Floss and police leading Edna out of a government building. A ticker tape newsreel reads, Top government engineer arrested for treason. Tries to bring down anti-gravity gen with homemade fusion bomb. We came for the bomb, or at least the plans to build it, Runer is saying. Our engineer, Ogaga, he's the best in the whole of all the Niger and Benue protectorates. He could build it if you'd just give us the plans. We can finish what you started. Edna is speechless, her mouth open. They said... They... We know they never found any evidence, so did you bring it in here with you or hide it somewhere? Edna looks Runer square in the eyes. I have no bomb. I was simply an engineer. I have never touched a bomb in my life, and I know absolutely nothing about bombs. Another bang by the door. More smoke. Then a grinding sound starts. A few sparks creep into the room. Runer sits on the floor and sighs. All this. All for nothing. Less than five minutes, Ogaga says. Better hurry. Runer turns back to Edna, grabs her hands. You have to give us something. We can't have come all the way up here for nothing. You must give us something. I, I, I don't have... What did they arrest you for? Edna looks away. You can't be embarrassed now. You're in prison, Edna. Why did they incarcerate you? I discovered a problem, she sniffles. With the city's anti-gravity thrusters. Big problem, possibly fatal. They were going to make it go away, and I refused. I couldn't be party to it. She looks at Runer. I couldn't kill everyone in the dark under. They were going to crash it into us? Runer says. They still are, Edna says. Every single person who opposed it is right here in this prison. She shakes her head. As we speak, they are going to land the city on the dark under. Of course. Of course they are. Three minutes, Ogaga and Hakim say together. The grinding at the door intensifies. Within the noise, Runer finds a thought. Edna, listen. This info on the thrusters, do you know where we can get it? When Edna looks away, Runer says, Look, you and I know you're not like them. They are not your friends either, see? They will have all our heads snap like that. But maybe we can fix this, all right? Maybe we can use it as leverage, buy our freedom or the freedom of our people or something. Edna is still looking away. There are children down there, Runer is saying. Do you really want them to die because you hesitated? Edna turns, finally meets her eyes. I, I still have the information. Good, good, Runer says. Let us know where you hid it. Let us see if we can change something. It's here with me. Edna points to her eye, shrugs. I etched the data into my lens. I felt I could use it as leverage at some point, somehow. Runer looks at her, impressed, then nods. Hakim, scanner. Hakim puts out the lens scanner, a tiny rectangle on the suit's smooth curves. Edna leans forward and uses her fingers, one above and one below, to open her eye wider. At the last second, she hesitates, blinking. They will kill me once they open that door and find out I gave you this, she says. Well, Runer says, cocking her head like a bird. She wants to tell Edna that she was dead the minute she set foot in Kirikiri, just like her parents, just like every bit of resistance Flossen has faced from the dark under. But her mouth cannot make the words. Hakim flips the tiny beam, which swings up, down, up, down, 
reading the encoded data. The grinding at the door intensifies. Data retrieved, Hakim says. Receiving, Ogaga says. Almost complete. The grinding at the door stops. There's quiet outside. A disturbing peace. Data received, Ogaga says. Now get out of there. Then there is an explosion, and the door falls down. Prison wardens in black exosuits pour into the room, drones following in their wake. All of them level their weapons at the two women in the unit. Clear to engage? Hakim asks, priming. No, Runer stands, facing them. No, let them take me. What? Ogaga and Hakim say together. No, Runer, Ogaga pleads. Don't do this. Please come back. You will take me to the people that matter, Runer is saying to the suits. You will take me or I swear to God we will cripple this city and bring to the ground. We will burn everyone and everything you love to ashes because we have all the information we need to do it and we will not stop until all of us are dead. The suits look to one another. One in the front holds up an arm and the drones stand down. The suit steps forward. You are trespassing in government property, the suit says. You have broken into a federal prison. You are under arrest. Runer, Ogaga is saying. We can still get out of this. Runer! This is how we get out of this, Runer says into her calm. If I don't come back, you know what to do. Then she spreads her hands in submission, but also in guard of Edna, who remains sitting, panicked. Take me, she says to the suit. Take us. But every single person in this room lives, or our whole worlds die. Your choice. The suit watches her for a minute, breathing, as if relaying the message to someone else, or thinking. A beat later, the suit turns and waves everyone else out. Follow me, the suit says. Runer grabs Edna by the arm. Come. Let's see if we can change everything. The two women walk out of Unit 3740, down the row of cells. The prisoners are still shouting, some of them banging on their cell doors. Runer is happy the doors are opaque because she does not want to look, to know anything about those faces behind the film. She will not give in to the urge to hang on to false hope, or any sort of hope at all that hints that her parents are still alive. She will not look for them because they are the past. She will only look ahead because this, she, is the future, and nothing, not even herself, will distract her from bringing light and beauty back to the dark under. Sui Davies Okungboa is a writer and storyteller, freelancing out of Lagos, Nigeria. He writes mostly speculative fiction and has works published or forthcoming in international magazines like Fireside, Podcastle, The Dark Magazine, Mothership Zeta, Omenana, and Jungle Jim. He has also published in the anthology Lights Out Resurrection and is forthcoming in A World of Horror. His speculative story about Lagos restaurants, of tarts and new beginnings, was long-listed for the 2017 NAMO Awards for Best Short Story, and he was also long-listed for the 2017 Rightivism Short Story Prize with Like Stars Over the Lonely Ocean. In 2016, he won the Naked Convos' Pan-African Writing Contest, The Writer. A lot of his fiction work examines issues of identity, community, and belonging. Sui has published essays in Light Speed and Chlorophyll, his comments on social issues at Acoma, and on a potpourri of matters associated with literature at suidavies.com as well as at Words Are Work Literary Hub, where he's currently co-curator. He has also written guest articles for a number of local and international blogs. 
He is an active presence in the African literary community, being a charter member of the African Speculative Fiction Society, as well as speaking and teaching at Social Media Week Lagos and WAW Fiction Masterclasses, amongst other places. In July 2017, Sui became the first Nigerian ever to join Podcastle by Escape Artists, Inc., the world's first audio fantasy magazine, as an associate editor. He is also a member of the international neo-pro-SFF writers group Codex. Follow Sui on Facebook, Twitter, at IamSuiDavies, and or his monthly Jabberwalk, After Five Writing Shenanigans. This has been a production of the Brick Moon Fiction Podcast. If you like what you hear, please give us a review on iTunes as it helps us find a bigger audience. For more information on Brick Moon and special offers, sign up for the Brick Moon Fiction newsletter at BrickMoonFiction.com. Thank you for listening.